Welcome to the I Am African podcast, where excellence isn't just inspired, but demanded. I believe in asking the difficult questions, starting the uncomfortable conversations, proposing outside-the-box solutions, and of course, shaking tables. No, breaking tables, all while being African. I am your host, Vera Ezimora. Hi, sweet potatoes. How are you doing? We are on to number 14 of the I Am African podcast. How are you doing today? So uh, we have a heavy one today. Uh, Last week was heavy and this week is heavy too. Today we are talking about the recent rapes that occurred in Nigeria. And I had the pleasure of speaking to Omolara Oriye. She is a human rights attorney. She's an activist. She is a writer and she's a feminist, amongst many other things. I knew Omolara through the blogging scene and then I knew she was also an activist because I see her posts and I know what she stands for and I knew she was a feminist. But it wasn't until these unfortunate events that I found out she's a lawyer. And I thought, wow, okay, that's even perfect. So um, we spoke about the rapes. An example is Uwa, the 22-year-old student at University of Benin who was raped and killed. And um, Omolara Uriye uh, is Nigerian, based in Nigeria. But during the time of the recording of this podcast, she was, still is, in South Africa, although... In the beginning of our interview, I mentioned she was Nigeria. That was an error on my part. I completely forgot when I said that. So um, she lended us her time. And uh, I really, really, really like it when we have a guest who has information and shares information. And um, come to think of it, I haven't actually had a guest who did not share information. I mean, that's the whole point they were here, right? But it's, it's especially nice when at the end of the episode... You're like, wow, I did not know that, right? So I had a lot of those moments speaking to Omolara, you know, concerning the legalities, for example, of prosecuting rape in Nigeria and the power struggle and things like that. So uh, if you are curious, and I hope you are, because we have some abominations uh, happening in Nigeria. And I do apologize if you can hear that sound. There's a train passing by. And I will not be re-recording. Yeah, this is like my 10th one. <laughs> anyway, before we go right into the episode, I last week I did not read a review. So I'm going to read one to you today. This one is by NTB 2.0. And the review is nice and short and sweet. And it says, raw, honest, unapologetic. Thank you so much. Thank you for your review. You guys, if you haven't left a review yet, please do. It's an Apple podcast. It's really easy. You rate the podcast. You leave some words about your thoughts on it. I would really, really, really appreciate it. Before we get into the interview, let me give a shout out to two cities as usual. And this week, um, the two cities are actually both in Maryland, where I'm based. Uh, the first one is Skaggsville, Maryland, and the second one is Kearney, Maryland. So if you live in any one of these cities and you're listening, thank you so much. Thank you very much, Sweet Potatoes. And if you live in even other cities, no matter where you live, thank you so much for listening. 
Um, I'm going to stop talking now and I'm going to play that interview so you can know the things that I know now. All right. Thank you for listening. Hi, Amolara. Thank you so much for coming on the I Am African podcast today. Hello. Thank you for having me. It is such a pleasure. So uh, having you, yes, such a pleasure. What we're going to talk about, not that much of a pleasure, but it's a difficult conversation that has to be had. Um, so everyone, we're going to be speaking about rape and you've probably, even if you haven't, I guess you hear it now about the women, the girls that have been raped recently in Nigeria. And I mean, recently, we're not talking about all the rape because we would never finish this episode. Uh, so we're speaking about the ones who have been raped recently, how that's gone. And my guest today is all the way in Nigeria. You're my second Nigerian guest, Omolara. Yes. So let me tell her, tell you about her. Uh, Omolara Oriye is a human rights lawyer, activist, and academic. She is an advocate for social change, justice, and equality. She's also a feminist. And when I reached out to Omolara, I didn't even know she's a lawyer. I just knew she was an activist because I follow her on Instagram and I see the things she posts and I hear the anger in her voice. So I was like, this, she will be perfect to talk about this. And so when you told me you're a human rights lawyer, I was like, oh, well, even better. (laughs) (laughs) So um, let's get into it. Let's get into it. How many women exactly are we talking about now? I know of Uwa, and I know Uwa is also Vera. Correct. So I know of Uwa, and I know of Tina. Tina wasn't raped, but she was shot by police, right? And I know of Jennifer, but let me start with the one who was not raped, mm-hmm. Tina, 16-year-old Tina, shot and killed by police. What is her story? And do they, where are we now? All right. Wow. We're jumping right in. <laughs> we uh, are. We are. Yeah. So, so basically, what I know about Tina is what most people who have seen the news know about mm-hmm. her, right? It's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, apparently from in a, a, a place called Yanowuro in Lagos, uh, okay. she was shot by the police. I, I believe okay. that only the, you know, it's interesting that the police, you know, do this kind of thing, allegedly, and then mm-hmm. find that there is no internally built mechanism for holding people accountable. Uh, and right. that's a recurring theme in Nigeria. It's actually quite bothersome. There is you know, the system itself doesn't just react to situations. The system does not get up to fix, you know, an, uh, uh, a broken a broken rule or whatever is going on. So it took right. people, some activists on Twitter to like start trending justice for Tina, justice for Tina, and then we were told that these policemen have been this policeman have been arrested. Now, I, the issue with Tina is, is that, is, but the question I have on the issue of Tina and all other people who have been allegedly murdered by the police is, uh-huh. do our lives actually matter? Do we count as human beings until somebody starts to trend a, trend a hashtag with our names on it? Like, right. are, we, are, we, are, we, are we important enough for the system to begin to like right wrongs that led to our demise? without us having to trend a hashtag and fight 
And, and in fact, somebody had to leak the identity of the policeman. Oh, wow. And, and, and then that, that, that obviously got the police into action. And, you know, a few hours later, we saw that, you know, the police the police uh, report, released a statement saying, oh, we've arrested this man. So at least on that issue, we the system is, you know, the process is continuing to, continuing to work. You know, this morning I was thinking about the idea around our systems in Nigeria, because all of these things are mm-hmm. interconnected, right? If, mm-hmm. if, if we need to train the hashtag before such thing is, is done, then that shows us the kind of policing system we have, right? Also, look at yeah. the system in Nigeria. And because all of these things are connected, how do you write mm-hmm. a law that has been done by such a police officer through the criminal justice system? What is ongoing in the criminal justice system? Well, right. I cannot say, to be honest. So, yeah, I feel like my frustration usually with Nigeria is the is the is the interconnectedness of our problems and how it becomes so daunting when you begin to connect the dots. It does. It does. Because even I you know, like with the podcast and generally, I consider myself a question asker. But if you ask me, uh, and, and I try to offer solutions, but if you ask me how to fix this problem, I have no idea. Mm. I, I mean, basically, I have no idea what's a practical way to fix the problem. I'm a human rights lawyer and 55% yeah. of the time, I don't have an idea. I have to think on my feet. I have to create things on the spot. In fact, about three years ago, I came up with a, with a method, right? So there are, basically, there are like several advocacy methods. So I had uh-huh. to narrow them down into eight that I love to work with simultaneously, right? Okay. So obviously, initially, my creativity wasn't that great. So I called it the octopus model. And okay. <laughs> because I felt like, you know, there are eight prongs. Right. all working right. simultaneously, right? And, you know, right. that has helped me in my advocacy. But to be, to be quite honest with you, Many times when people say, oh, Lara, what do we do now? I'm like, yeah, um, um, can we start with, you know, it's quite dumb. Right. The, the deep nature of this problem. They're not like, they're not like symptomic issues. They're not just symptoms. They're like deeply mm-hmm. ingrained. When you open right. a layer, you find another, you find another. And right. Like an onion peel, right? Absolutely. It's like police brutality and murder of citizens. You know, it's not just about a police pointing his gun as a, as a citizen. Something is broken. That's why the policeman could point his gun at all. Right, right. Mm. Okay, so now he's in custody. That's as far as they've gone. That's as far as at least yes, they've that, that's what the public. Yes, yes. Mm. Okay. We have to continue with justice for Tina. I'm going to ask you a question later about... Uh, uh, activism on social media, but I'll mm-hmm. keep that for later. All right, no worries. So now the women who were raped, how many are they? Because I know of two, mm-hmm. Jennifer and Uwa, but there's more than two? Yes. And I mean, when I say more than two, I mean like most recently, obviously, absolutely. not overall. Absolutely. The first, uh, the first issue, that is uh, with Uwa. Uh, yes. Uh, yes. Um, that happened on the 27th of May, you know? The issue, right. the, the the incident happened on the twenty seventh of of May, and you know it became a social media issue. I think a, a couple of days later, right? Because I heard of the mm-hmm. issue on the thirtieth of thirtieth, yeah, thirtieth of May or so. And you know, actually, initially, I did not jump in because I'm not. Uh, it's not really like directly linked to me, and there were already right. other activists, you know, working and fighting. 
on the matter. Right. So if and that's generally like my practice. If an issue is being taken care of, I do not like butt in for two right. reasons. One person cannot solve all of these problems. Number two, absolutely not. You know, so we are, a lot of us work in this space, and I trust their work. I trust where they are. Mm-hmm. I believe that they are mm-hmm. trying, you know, to do the right thing. So there is absolutely mm-hmm. no need to jump on an issue that you already see people working on, right? So we, we yeah. start, when I say not jumping on it, I mean you, you can definitely offer support. For example, activists, I know that even if I know them, I don't know them. I text them on Twitter, well done, thank you, things like that. Right, offer your, right. Offer, offer help. But so, so that was actually why I did not even care. I was like, oh yeah, this is so disheartening. Oh my God, I, I was tweeting out of rage. Because I was like, why again? Like how is this right. the conversation we are having? How is this? How, how is this the current issues? Like, why is why does a woman's life not count for much? I was so enraged by the issue. So, well, well going um, a bit down the line, I got uh, I got a call from you know one of the activists at uh, the ED of Santo Andre. You know, she's a friend and a colleague. Okay. Yeah, she okay. called me and said, "Look, this issue is actually super serious, and we need to talk. We need to figure out what to do on it." So that was how I actually got into. Uh, the 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 work on Uwa's case, right? So yeah, right. and up until now, there are a group of activists, women from Tekker, NG, from Action Aid, from Enough is Enough Nigeria, you know, like actually people who have been doing this work for uh-huh. years, you know, from uh-huh. vaccine, absolutely. Buki is absolutely fantastic. And these women have been working. I have joined them, you know, I joined, I've joined them now and we are all like trying to see how we are able to not just you know not not just deal with what has happened to Uwa, but mm-hmm. how we are able to co- co- sustain the act- activism on the rights of women because this issue like you know, I told you earlier I said some things happen because systems are broken right I, I believe strongly and one thing has been pressed upon my mind since I saw Uwa's case which is absolutely like fucking disheartening is that it is you, you see that impunity plays a big role right if mm-hmm. Impunity plays a big role because people see that, yes, we have this socialization that women, right? And then they see that, yeah, it can continue to be business as usual. I don't have to upgrade my thoughts. I don't have to change my mind. I can continue to disrespect women up to the point of murder. I can continue to do whatever the hell I want with women's lives. This Mm -hmm. is why this thing happened to Uwa. And it's not just Uwa. You know, I know. Two days later, we heard of Jennifer. Two days later, two days after Jennifer, we heard of Barakat. Barakat was raped and murdered in a mother's house in Ibadan. Like, what? What must women do? Uwa was murdered in a church. If you right. go, because Nigerians have a have a habit of victim blaming. They always want to put the cross at the woman's foot. If you are in trouble, it's your fault. If you've done well, oh, you must have had some unfair advantage. So it's not it's uh-huh. really normal that women are not regarded as people who have agency, who are able to make decisions, and who are able to build a life for them, a life for themselves. Look, up until the point where people begin to say things like, "Oh, she must have won something," my question always remains: mm. Children get raped. Old women get raped. All yes. types of women get raped. Yes. Are you saying yes. that across the board, all these women did something to deserve it? My answer, I'm going to answer that question because I don't want to leave it open-ended. Absolutely <laughs> not. 
Women of any age, type, creed, gender identity, sexual orientation, whatever it is, do not deserve rape. They do not mm. in any way contribute to the fact that they get raped. Rapists cause rape. Rapists right. contribute to rape. Women right. are trying to fucking exist. This woman went to a church, this 22-year-old girl, went into yes. a church to study. So she's doing she's doing the, the biggest things that Nigerians love, religion and books. Right. <laughs> Shade. And she could get this kind of treatment. Barakat mm -hmm. was in her mother's house, inside her parents' house. So tell me, what must women do? Where must women go to, to feel safe? What do you want from us? That's what I've been asking since the day this happened. For a people who claim to be super religious, what the fuck do you want from women? What must we do to deserve humanity? Because apparently mm. religion is not enough. Responsibility no. is not enough. So what, what do you want? And that's the case that we are facing right now. Now, we think, you know, there was a protest in Nigeria yesterday, if you, if you remember, you know, if, if you saw that online, and, you know, women are not having it. And I'm so happy and I'm so proud and thankful for that fact. And we hope that we will get justice this time. We really, really hope that we will get justice this time. We will not only get justice, we will effect some systemic changes pending the time that we actually restructure our country. Because if the foundation of a country is broken by colonialism and nationalists who did not, who did not understand them, who did not have a clear goal for the country, what must we do? We must restructure. Not at all. Absolutely. I agree we must restructure. I have no idea how. I know people make jokes about just clear everybody in the government, wipe them all out. But I'm like, I don't know. They say that the government is a representation of the people. Of the people. So, <laughs> so, so are we then all like this? It, I, and I mean, that's a rhetorical question. I know that we're not all like this. Yeah. But we're the ones who are not like this mm. to lead. Can they lead? Can they ever get power to mm. lead, to, to make any change in Nigeria? Absolutely. That's a question that we all marinate on over tonight <laughs> all yeah. about this and figure out what we can do about our country i think that um that there's so many kinds of privilege right yeah. uh let me use america for example i live here and here african americans are uh, have been oppressed for 400 years mm. however the africans people like me that coming into America from Africa, we have a privilege yeah. that the African-Americans already here don't have. Yeah. Uh, mentally, we have a privilege because we're not coming from a place where we've been told that uh, the white man is better than us. We're not, you know, we're not coming from that. We're not coming from a place where we, we're, we're just black and there's a system or there's a group of people who think they're better than us because they have a different color. We do have the tribal issues in Nigeria and we definitely have color issues, you know, like how black are you and how light are you? We have those, mm -hmm. we don't have race. We don't have a racial issue. Absolutely. Uh, so when Africans come in here, they don't understand the black perspective. So, uh, we come in with privilege. And I think that in order for Africans to, first of all, we can't ever fully understand the black american perspective but we can definitely do better we can definitely do better. just like a man can never fully know what it's like to be a woman right? 
Right. So we can definitely do better. But I think for us to do better, we have to first admit our privilege. Absolutely. So now taking this to the issue of rape in Nigeria, mm. I think that men have to first understand that they have a privilege mm. as men. Absolutely. Because, yes, and you know, uh, I saw Genevieve's tweet. And actually, yes, I want to bring that up because... Um, did you read that tweet? It caused a lot of problems. <laughs> I think I saw that tweet where she thought, she said something about men take, taking responsibility. Yeah, so the tweet said they either abuse their power or have the power to abuse. Ah, yes, in, yes. yes, in or out of uniform, we live in constant fear of men. Mm. Tina Ezekwe, Vera Omozua, rest in peace, my darlings. We will get justice. Now, um, a lot of men found issue with this because they said, oh, you know, Genevieve is going to war with men and this war isn't between men and women. Mm. And I think, not that I think, I know that all these people who feel this way have, mis have completely misunderstood the point of this tweet. Mm -hmm. And as a woman, I want to try to make it as clear as possible. I don't know how to, but I'll try. I would say that as a man uh, in Nigeria, mm. if you're walking down the street, how many times do you get afraid of a group of women? Like mm. what they're going to do to you? Mm. They don't even have to be a group. It could be one man. Yeah. It could be one man. And how many times do you have to cross the road because, you know, uh, you don't know who he is or what he's capable of doing because, you know, you're a woman. Uh, men don't generally have this fear. I'm not going to say that men do not get raped by women. Mm. I can't categorically state that. Mm. But I'm saying that generally women are afraid of men. And men who don't understand how it is that women... It's not that we go around thinking every man is a rapist. No, it's just that you don't know who is not a rapist. Most women who are raped are raped by people they know. So it's not even a thing where you can do, say, okay, well, people I know are safe. Especially us in our generation, we know better. I remember mm -hmm. when Basara Dakolo went public with her story and how many women came out on social media to say they've been raped and they told their stories. And most of these women were raped by people that they knew. You know, yeah. people that should have been trusted. It could mm -hmm. have been their biological father, a pastor, an uncle, mm -hmm. the houseboy, a, co a cousin, people that they had already grown to know and trust as safe. Yeah. And one day they violate them. Men generally don't have this fear. It does happen to women. Like, you know, you hear stories of auntie doing this and house girl doing that to the boys, mm -hmm. which yeah. is absolutely despicable. Mm -hmm. But generally, women suffer this thing more. Yeah. Okay, let's, let's men need to first yeah. understand mm. that they have this privilege, that they don't have this fear like us. They don't have yeah. to walk around being afraid that, oh my God, this woman, you know, and sometimes even gang rapes, like if, if people even make jokes about a man being, it's just like, and, and by, which by the way is a double standard. I don't agree with laughing at the idea of a man being raped because Absolutely. it is a thing. Absolutely. However, women generally have the fear because we're afraid of men. Whether, like Genevieve said, in or out of uniform, you are afraid. Mm. As 
knowing what I know now and raising a child, no, I'm not going to be sending her to go and stay with any uncle. You know, mm-hmm. if an uncle comes over, like a family friend, she's not going to be sitting on his laps. Yeah. These are things that you'd have allowed before. And, you know, as Emma said, you know, she's a child. Who is looking at a child like that? But people are. You know, and the thing is, you don't know what is in the heart of everyone Absolutely. or anyone. You don't know what you can only vouch for yourself. So mm-hmm. do you think that in order for us to move forward, to move the needle, that men have to first admit that, yes, we do have a privilege. Yeah. And they use that privilege to convince fellow men and women, because there are women who are <laughs> saying things like this, too. Mm. Absolutely. So, okay. Uh, oh my God, Vera, this is a lot, but we can, we can definitely, we can definitely unpack it. So I, I, I usually like to unpack privilege that men have in society. Mm-hmm. I am happy that you, you hit the nail on the head because the reason men rape women, I, I, I keep reiterating this all the time, even though I, I know I sound like a broken record now, but it's fine. That's my job. The reason men rape women have nothing to do with sexual behavior or sexual mm-hmm. um, what what um, sexual arousal or things like that. Mm-hmm. No, it's about power, privilege, and punishment. It's about entitlement and the socialization that men have that has given them this on almost weird confidence that they mm-hmm. have themselves, even when there is nothing to be confident about. Right. It's so it's so, it's so stressful to see many times. So I will have to go straight to the patriarchy because we must name and shame the author of all yes, of please, please do. The patriarchy prioritizes men in opportunity, in access, in respect, in humanity, right? Yeah. And yep. women yep. are seen as an add-on to this establishment. They are just there mm-hmm. to make sure that this establishment continues to run smoothly, right? Now... Mm-hmm. People have named this issue. They're like, oh, yeah, this, this uh, arrangement of, of society is not useful because men mm-hmm. and women are human beings, right? We are both mm-hmm. human beings. There is no hierarchy yep. in, our, in, in the importance of our lives and bodies. There mm-hmm. is no hierarchy. However, mm-hmm. men over the years continue to get socialized into the idea of this hierarchy. Mm-hmm. This is the idea of this, uh, of this entitlement. The world belongs to you. Look, somebody pointed my attention a few years ago to the to the, to children's clothing. Okay. Boys clothes, right? You, if if you, in fact, when I took a look, I was so shocked. Boys' clothes will have hero, king, you know, mm-hmm. and women's clothes will have Barbie, pretty. <laughs> You know, baby girl and things like that. <laughs> we are socialized. You know, when, when that person mentioned, I think it was, I saw it on Twitter. I genuinely went into a children's shop. And in fact, I remember clearly that I mm-hmm. bought oh, I bought a few because I wanted to be sure that I was not crazy. Right. You know, and this, so this goes back to when we are children. We are socialized into this. In fact, when men are socialized into this idea of hierarchy and entitlement and the patriarchy, mm-hmm. Women are simultaneously socialized into the ideas of 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 of, of, of uh, subservience, of inferiority, you know, and all of that. So it is a simultaneous mm. thing, and it has it's far ingrained into our minds. In fact, even people it who is. are sometimes have to pinch themselves, like, "Yo, what am I doing?" 
you know? And things like that mm. have, have persisted, right? So it obviously has created this hierarchy. Men have privilege. So they rape, they kill, you know, they, they, they grope, they stare, they, they say mm-hmm. look women because they think that yes. we are their belongings, right? And now, yes. women have been spending tens of years, hundreds, let me say tens of years, trying to undo this pattern of thinking. Yes. We feel yes. that it is not working. That I, these institutions of oppression are adversely affecting women, right? But men yes. do not want to relinquish power. You know why? When you are privileged, mm-hmm. equality feels like right. Yes, like, oh, yes, yes. Why do they do like women? They mean why you're doing less than a human being. So why are you telling them that they're equal to a woman? They are bothered right. and bothered, right? Unfortunately yes. for them, we are here. Equality will be will be done, and the patriarchy will be discarded. And anyone who is a collateral damage, goodbye. Let me tell you mm-hmm. something about uh, about uh, about Genevieve's tweet. Uh, a, a few months ago, just before these issues came up, I think around in April, if I'm not wrong, an issue okay. came up on Twitter, and I said, okay. and I said, and I tweeted, uh, like discussions of, of men, you know, victimizing women, raping women was ongoing. Right. And I think I remember right. I only one tweet. I said. Treat every man as a rapist. No, I said every man is a rapist until proven otherwise. <clears throat> yeah. Yes. I bet you didn't like the response for that. I did not. About 500 people came to come and tell me that I, I am a crazy person and I am ugly. You know, and there were all kinds of slurs were sent my way. But you know, the, you know the interesting thing? I do not take that back. You know why mm. I wouldn't take that back? Because all men have privilege. Gotcha. They may be using it. They may not be using it. I don't know what you are doing, but I don't have a test. I don't have a rape scan. Right. There is no way for me to know that you will not use your privilege in a way that will harm me. Let me give a, a, a let, let me tell you a, a story. Uh, about a year and a half ago, I had somebody come to my house in Lagos to install air conditioning, right? So mm-hmm. this, man, no, this man came to, to repair it, to service it. He was the same man who installed it, right? So okay. when he okay. installed it, I was way smaller. I had just had surgery. I was ill, blah, 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 you know? And then next time he came back, of course, I'm a big woman. So I already, like, I was looking my old self and all of that. You know, this man okay. looked at me like jollof rice and plantain and said, <laughs> ah, madam, you are looking very robust or something along those lines. I could go back to my kitchen and grab the knife. I just yeah. the I had the knife behind me, and I just watched him repair that AC. He, re- he finished his work, thanked me, and left. He did not mm-hmm. do anything bad. But let me tell you, women are socialized to be afraid of men because we have seen what they can do. Right. Right? right? We, we have seen what men are capable of. We have seen that society will always blame the victim and not the perpetrator. So we are afraid. Yes. Because yes. rape. We are afraid that they will shame us even after raping us. Right. The only time that I have seen Nigeria roar up in outrage like this is when a victim of rape dies. If we don't mm-hmm. die, they don't care about us. People will tell that the Busana Dakolo told that important story. And even though Busana Dakolo is the perfect victim, she has a husband. She has children. She's a Christian woman. Blah, blah, blah. See the flack that she got in response. I know. I know. So the idea of privilege is clear. And, excuse me, and rape, 
is a result of privilege, which translates into punishment, into entitlement, into superiority complex, into all those things. And that is why men feel, that's why an, an electrician will come to my house and tell me that I look robust. Like, you know, in fact, this man said this thing in like many words. I was just staring at him blankly like, what? Why are you saying these things? I had to grab a knife to feel safe. So in a world wow. where we are grabbing knives and weaponizing our keys, and buying pepper spray and doing all of those right. things are like getting raped. What must we do? Right. So, yeah, absolutely. So that when it comes to privilege, Vera, you are so right. Men have a privilege that must be taken away from them. I always say, if you want privilege, you fucking earn it. It is not imputed yeah. onto you as a result of your gender. It is not. And I, I know that things are getting better slowly in terms of mindset and how boys are raised um now changing taking this privilege away from men how does that happen you think it starts with parents dad and mom uh raising this boy right i'm not even going to talk about raising the girl because from the time a girl is born they tell you how to be a girl don't wear your skirt too short close your legs you're a girl and all these things you know i but who is telling the boy, don't rape people, you know, seek yeah. consent. And I've seen so many jokes about consent, you know, and it's not funny. I keep saying like rape jokes are not funny. It's in bad taste. Isn't, is a terrible thing. Don't, don't just don't joke about it. Absolutely. I remember years ago, I used to go to a redeemed church here in Maryland and they had a guest pastor, a Nigerian man, of course he was in, his own church was somewhere in America in a different state. So he came to this church and he was preaching. I never forgot that. Which, by the way, I've never experienced uh, rape or sexual assault. Yeah. Um, so, so this man is preaching and he says women who claim to be raped. How can you say you were raped? Did you fight him off? Did you scream? Did you do this? And did you do, do that? Like I said, I've never even gone through this, but I was I was hot. Like, I can't believe you're, you, you're standing on that pulpit and saying this. This was years ago. Yeah. Um, if I am, I'm, I'm a different person now. I'm a lot more outspoken. If that were to happen today, I would probably stand up and confront him right there. Absolutely. Now, back then, I was not strong <laughs> enough to do that. Yeah. But every time I think about it, because I think to myself, <laughs> we're in a room full of Nigerian people. I won't be surprised if half or Three quarters of the women in here have gone through some kind of abuse. And we're standing there and saying that she basically got it because she didn't fight her assailant off. Mm. And and th these people in church are shouting amen and hallelujah, you know? And some of the people saying amen and hallelujah, I, I'm sure, are victims too. Yeah. Of, you know, are victims of rape too. And I think that we women, like you said, women themselves even think that it's their fault that they were raped. Now, this is generally across the board, even not even beyond Nigeria. But yeah. now, just focusing on Nigeria, the way we raise our children, from little things like, oh, the boys don't need to cook, you know. You tell the sister, go and cook, go and do this, go and do that. That's why she grows up and she's more able to be independent because she's, she's, she has the skills she needs to survive in life. Meanwhile, a man is talking about a wife and what do you want in a wife? And he comes up with somebody that can cook or she doesn't know how to. It's like, guys, that, that's not a life skill. 
you know, I'm saying if you think that cooking is a life skill, you can buy food outside. Mm. People don't die from not knowing how to cook. That's my point, you know. Mm. But that's the way we raise our boys generally. They don't know that it's inappropriate. Don't don't catcall a woman who is walking by. You know, mm. don't make jokes about rape or imply. Like people, people boldly say, "I men boldly say, I will rape you." What kind yeah. of nonsense is that? I saw tweets from people that were saying, "Oh, I can't wait to rape this person." Like, what? What is wrong with you? You yeah. can actually say that. Are there laws even that protect women against men like this? Like, if you say, like this person actually tweeted at the person he wanted to rape. Wow. And said, "I can't wait to rape you." Right, that's that's a threat to life. You can re- definitely report that. Yeah, to the is police. that even reportable? Yes, will the man be arrestable? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to start answering this question from how to achieve gender equality slash take away privilege from men and put all of yes. us uh, in a state of substantive equality where we are able to achieve the things that we need. We're able to get the safety that we need. We're able to get you know the 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 opportunities and access that we need in society without mm-hmm. you know pandering to masculinity. So mm-hmm. I I wrote, I actually was making notes while you were speaking because oh, there are so many cogent points that you make this evening. So basically, a few ways. The family. Definitely, mm-hmm. we must start to re-engineer re- re- from the homes. Parents must begin to understand new information and apply that in their parenting. Number two, society. Society is going to include school, right? So the information in schools need to be different. For example, I know I know uh, one of my friends in Lagos, GTA. Yeah, she she works with a she's a um, what's it called? She's a managing editor of a, of a publishing house. And one okay. of the things they do as their contribution to activism is that they actually like go through all these books, and when they're re- when they're revising them, they keep the stories up to date. You know, they they okay. try. You no, know, they don't do anything, nothing too crazy that would, you know, arouse Nigerians into like madness or whatever. But they're changing right. the narrative little by little. You know, they're trying to, they're changing the stories. More women are academics, more women are lawyers. They're changing the narrative around, you know, how mm-hmm. chores. Everybody berates chores as, as something that's unimportant. But chores right. is a lethal weapon in the hand of the patriarchy. Like literally, yes. yes. Is a weapon of mass destruction in the hands of the patriarchy, but I will move on quickly. So school, that's very important. Society in general, let people's attitudes start to change. For example, rape jokes were a thing in Nigeria. Now comedians are, are, are apologizing for that. Well, they're doing it mostly because they want to be ambassadors or whatever, but it's, we still right. are apologizing. We thank the right. youngsters. So, you know, it's like, it, it, so society also needs to re-engineer itself. When new information is disseminated, society begins to absorb that. That begins to become a thing. Now, we never knew. I never knew that 10 years ago, that 10 years ago, I never believed that a Nigerian comedian would apologize for rape jokes, you know? And now it's happening. Yeah. It's a message. It's not okay. It's not something that you, you, you should do. Also, I look at punishment, right? Uh, right. I, I have so many conflicting opinions around punishment. But in the context of, of, uh, of taking away privilege from men, now that there is a new world order and there are laws protecting women, punishment is a good tool to keep men in line. Right? I, I, I agree. You get the reward of your behavior. The other people will be deterred. You yourself possibly will be deterred from such behavior in the future. We cannot, mm. we can totally not take it. We cannot take away the, par- the power of punishment. I know the society has moved ahead and so many other co- uh, communities and countries are discussing amazing ideas like abolitionism and all of, all of those things. 
I, for interestingly, I have a level of, of interest in the abolitionist theory. And I, I, I tries to propound, but my point is this. Our society is in a developing state, right? We're in yes. a developing stage. We cannot begin to Im- imitate ideas that, are, that have reached some sort of level in all these Western countries, right? For example, in Nigeria, if you do not punish men for rape, you are telling the victim that even though society blames you, the law also blames you. Right, right. So I think that if we if we look into all of these areas, we are able to burst some change. And look, it's happening. You know, now although men say that their lives get destroyed by rape, rape accusations, but I'm yet to be convinced by evidence. I, I, I'm yet to be convinced by evidence. You mentioned that there are laws, right? Yes. Laws that yes. protect women. Unfortunately, yes. in Nigeria, we don't have a particular like a, a, a gender-oriented law that protects women, right? And this is okay. this is what I've been thinking about. For example, the Gender Equality and Opportunities Bill has been presented to the National Assembly several times, I think two or three times at this point, and it is laughed off and thrown away. Right? Wow. They're not, in fact, I watched the I watched the 2016 hearing on live TV. Let me tell you, I was shaking. I literally had tears in my eyes because grown wow. men who are supposed to be our lawmakers stood up and said, uh-uh, what do women want? What, what, what do women want? The religion does not allow for, 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 for gender equality. And, you know, they trivialize that. Wow. And that bill was brought again into the National Assembly, I think, late last year, and it did not pass even, I think, second reading. So you see what I'm saying? The law itself does not value the lives of women. However... No, we have it does not. the criminal code and the criminal code act that 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 you know that that uh, that 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 provide for the offense of rape. You know we have the child rights act. The child rights act provides for the rape of children. We have the okay. violence persons prohibition act. That is the most recent piece of legislation that deals with rape. It provides a more okay. co- coherent definition and it provides you know life imprisonment for rapists. But the question is. People don't go from perpetrating a crime straight to jail. There is a system right. to implement these laws. I'm sorry to all Nigerians, including myself, but the system is non-existent at this point. About 10% hmm. of, of rape cases that are reported to the police, about 10% of prosecutions result in a conviction. And that's according 10%. to the report wow. together by Amnesty International. Right? 10%. Right. See, the convictions trickle in, so they don't make an impact. The social aspect of punishment is non-existent because society largely blames women, right? So it is not the information is not getting to rapists and it's not letting them know that you may want to rape. Look, this is my favorite trick, and I won't call it a trick, my favorite strategy when I do gender equality work. I don't okay. with terrorists. If I see you tweeting rape jokes and I know your employer, I will screenshot and send it to him. If I see you tweet, I'm, I'm sorry, and that's the thing. If I see that somebody has accused you of rape and I believe victims, I will call the people hiring you. I will say, well, you have a problem on your hands. I will report you. Me, I don't play around. I don't discuss. I don't teach grown men consent. We all went to the same school. We have the same education. So you teach right. us. I report you and destroy your life. I was I always tweet, obliterate rapists. You finish them. And that's yeah. the way to, 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 to get accountability. 
you know, to get accountability in issues of rape. And then the last thing you mentioned is the trivialization of rape talk. People tweeting yes. and saying, I will rape you. Rape is yes. a, not only a crime under the Criminal Code, the Penal Code, and the Violence Against Persons Act. It is also an infringement of fundamental human rights to dignity and freedom from inhumane treatment. So if you are telling somebody you will rape them, you are telling them that you are going to harm them. And right. that under the law is a threat. You can't be reported to the police for threat to life and property, and you will face the consequences. Mm. So if somebody tweets at you out there, people listening to various uh, to I am I am an African podcast. Somebody tweets at you, somebody threatens you, you report them to the police, to their employers, to their parents, their friends, everybody. Yes. Them because a person who will make a joke like that. Who will, who will make a threat like that, who has the power, privilege, and access, will act on it. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. I saw somebody's Facebook post, which he obviously thought was going to be funny, where he said that women forcing men to give them money should also be considered as rape. And I left a comment. I said, this is extremely insensitive and, and done in poor taste. You don't, that, that's not funny, mm. especially right now. The whole country, or at least most of the country, is mourning the loss of our daughters and sisters to rape. And you're saying is the same thing as a woman taking money from a man or forcing a man to give money. The good thing is, under the comments, I didn't see one single person who thought it was funny. Yeah. So yeah. that was good. That that was good. The people left their comments expressing disappointment in that post. So mm-hmm. I really like that. We're getting somewhere, but we still have a long way to go. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you something about women. Um, when men say these things about rape, like whether it's that they're joking about rape or threatening rape, mm-hmm. when they joke about when when they do these things, you know, it's very hurtful and it's very angering. But when women say something that supports the rapist or the rape culture is it's especially hurtful hmm. i read something from a woman saying she does not that's she started by saying she does not support rape however <laughs> when the rapist, yes, listen i have made that point several times when you say something and then you put but however you know you're basically saying erase everything i just said and 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 focus instead on the on the stupid I mean, thing I'm about to say. That, <laughs> that's the point I want to make. She said she does not support rapists. But, you know, however, for this man, this rapist, yeah. to rape Ola in church, she must have done something. Because who rapes a person in church otherwise? And I'm I <laughs> It was a screenshot. People kept sharing around. People are cussing her out and whatever. They said she even blocked her page. I guess people started coming, mentioning her, right? And I'm thinking, so what you're concerned about is the location of the rape, mm. not that the rape occurred. And But she's a woman. And so sometimes it's hard to understand how a woman would say the she must have done something to the rapist for him to rape her in church. You know, basically he didn't have the fear of God, which is why he did it in church. And and, by the way, this is going to be a two part question. So then let's bring religion, religion into this. Is it 
helping or hindering the rape culture in Nigeria? Because mm-hmm. people hang, I don't know if it's the religion itself or mm-hmm. people's misunderstanding of religion. Because they talk, to say that rape, being raped in church, you know, it's like bad karma. She must have really done something to be raped mm-hmm. in church. She, you know, this, this maybe she didn't have the fear of God or the rapist did not have the fear of God. And I'm thinking, first of all, um, rape is rape. It doesn't matter where it occurs. Secondly, the church, if you want to be Christian about it, the church is the people, not the building. Absolutely. Lastly, the rapist does not have to be a Christian, damn it. He might not have the fear. Like, why does it matter the religion of the rapist? People talk as if they don't know that there are other religions. Not everybody is a Christian. Not everybody Mm -hmm. has this fear of God that we speak of. If you are, great, I am. But you don't think that everybody is. But the issue is still whether the rapist is a Christian or not, whether she got ra- whether the victim got raped in church or not, she should not have been raped in the first place. Mm. So do you think that religion, now here's my two-part question because I went on yeah. and on. My yeah. two part, my, the, the first part is, do you think that women who are complacent, yeah, the complacent yeah, women, women. Yeah. Yes, the complacency of women, mm. is it louder is it more than the complacency of men or does it just sound louder because it's coming from women and then the second question is if religion is helping or hindering the rape culture ah okay oh my god all right i'll start from women who are who excuse rape who are those women to answer your question it is not worse than when men excuse rape Okay. It sounds more hurtful just because they are women. That's why it does. It, it does that. It's really yeah. not because whatever they are doing is, is, is like so great. Because also these women do not have any social power to do anything about these standards that we are talking about. We are all mm-hmm. patriarchy. <laughs> we are all suffering. Right. right? But, but unfortunately, women who do this, right? I call, um, I, 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 say, I, do, I say something that Mona El- Elatoway says. They are bootlickers of the patriarchy. You know how mm. you go and then you tell your most troublesome cousin he can he can be in charge of the drinks, but there are no drinks in the drum. Mm. That's exactly what those women are. They are mm. so in fact, let me tell you a short story. I, I had a conversation with a woman a few years ago and she said, Oh, she's so powerful over her relationship. When her husband is gonna come home late, he's so afraid. She tells me this long, beautiful, windy, weird Nigerian story. <laughs> I was like, young lady, you are telling yourself that not cooking dinner is some sort of power, but it's not. Right? right? So these mm. women are made to believe. So that is two parts. One part, we are socialized to accept pain, shame, and silence, even when our lives are on the line. We are sacrificed to maintain the status quo. So such a mm. woman who is socialized as a sacrificial lamb for the status quo, will definitely excuse rape because she must not shake the boat. If she shakes the boat, then she has to think of her own sexual assault story. If she shakes the boat, Mm. then it will have to affect the man that is raping her but is feeding her. If she shakes Mm. the boat, then it scatters the status quo. But these women are socialized to sacrifice themselves on the altar of the status quo. That is reason one. Reason two, is that some women are recruited as soldiers and bootlickers of the patriarchy, right? 
Mm-hmm. It's their job to keep other women in check. It, oh, it's like that film, um, the, the Handmaid's Tale. Why was the mm-hmm. man not the one in charge of the girls? Mm. It, is, it is normal for oppressive, oppressive systems, you know, to put one of you in charge. But let me right. tell you, you have no power. What you have is not actual influence because you are not in the meeting with the men. No. You are, your instructions are backed out to you. You do this. You keep the yes. women, but you are not at the table where decisions are being made. No. So that's I'd like to remind those women that, my love, you do not have actual power. What you have is, this, is as good as the dress of the, as the, as the, as the magic dress of the emperor. Mm. You don't have anything. So yeah. when you are put in charge of such a situation and then you are you have to you have to excuse rape. You have to say why? Well, well, her skirt, well, her blouse, well, mm-hmm. you know, her nose, her, her eyes were so great. You are just there to keep the peace. The people at, at the expense of your sanity, the mm-hmm. expense of your, of your morals, the expense of your reputation, of your of your conscience. While these perpetrators go around free enjoying their lives, you are bearing their burden. Yeah. So that's why I tell women in general who, who find a reason to excuse one or two things. I don't care if it's gender roles or rape culture or whatever. You are a bootlicker. You are an apprentice of the patriarchy and you will never graduate. It, you will never ever graduate because real influence is not going to be shown to you. Uh, for example, you, no matter how you excuse rape culture, you yourself, you are suffering from the rape culture as well. So how, how is that any power? So I always say that, you know, and it's very common. A lot of women do it to signal, you know, to men, because also desirability in the eyes of masculinity is a weapon in society. You know, mm. uh, you want to be the right, nice babe who is not a, you know, when men are pregnant, right, you, right. Okay. Cool, cool one. You understand? Cool yeah. I only have male friends. Women pick yeah. up women. Yes. <laughs> Invest yes. in quality female friendships, my love. That, let's stop deceiving yourself under the patriarchy. These men we yes. rape you. Give the right time, yes. privilege, everything aligns. Yes. So, number two. We have, we have those bootlickers in every yeah. Situation, oh, like just like now that we're fighting Black Lives Matter, we yeah. have the black people who are coming and saying, "No, it's not worth it. It's pointless. No, nothing yeah. is happening to black people. We're fine. Everything's great." Uh-huh, we have, yes, we yeah. have those in every situation. Yeah, absolutely. That's absolutely. Okay. So that's how you must, that's how you must treat women who are tra- who are chatting shit about rape culture, about everything. Just me personally, it doesn't hurt me more. I just want to hug them because they are really in pain. Mm-hmm. They're suffering. Right. They may not know now, but they will know right. later. Absolutely. Right. So your second question, if religion is helping to change rape culture, if religion is affecting rape culture in a yes, in a it's helping it. Look, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm I'm really sorry to all the Christians. Love Hello. to everyone. But because it's not really helping, especially our interpretations of Abrahamic religions, right? Also, yeah. I have not not just like the our interpretations. The origin of religion itself is not the greatest story in the world, right? Mm-hmm. I know. Mm-hmm. I've gotten into an argument with my mom over this. 
Because of course. it believes that you can you can you must be if you are a Christian, you must not interrogate these structures. But unfortunately, there is nothing in this world that I am not interested in interrogating. I don't just take things and lie down and say, Oh yeah, it's done and move on. No. Everything must be you must hold a mirror to your life. You must see the mm-hmm. bad and still be okay with it. You must like mm-hmm. you I tell people, like you must know the worst of yourself and still be and still be able to fuck with yourself. And that's mm-hmm. how religion really is. Religion is not supposed to be it's not supposed to be perfect because nothing under the sun is perfect. However, if you know the truth, ah, because let the truth set you free. Don't be an evil spirit. So mm-hmm. the point is with, with religion, unfortunately, religion reinforces patriarchal standards, which reinforces masculine privilege, which reinforces gender roles, reinforces rape, reinforces sexual violence, reinforces all sorts of bad things against women. Now the people within religious settings, within religious settings, who know better, are also sac- socialized to sacrifice their voices at the altar of the status quo. Mm. The culture of silence is so damaging. Nobody can tell me that religious people don't know that it is better, but they are fighting with conflicting doctrine. You know, yeah. women are inferior. They must submit an imaginary assignment. But men must not rape women. How? Right. You understand? So people, you know, because that, that submission part of the Bible is so funny to me. Bible did not say men submit, women submit to men, it said wife. So right. that conversation right. has no place in mainstream society. I don't look, let me tell you, I read the Bible, but I don't agree with the submit. Except Jesus Christ gives me assignments, I'm not submitting to anybody. Jesus is <laughs> I'm not submitting <laughs> to nobody. Not give me but assignment. Even, <laughs> but even at even at even at that, right? Even with the submission word, I don't believe that submission is what our men think that it is. Because our men think that submission is I have the last word. What I say goes. And you're talking to your wife, like, no, sir, that's not how this works. This is a partnership. Let's take a quick look. Because I, I would have spoken about other religions, but I I, I know more about Christianity, right? So mm-hmm. let's take for example. This system, these systems of oppression are being safeguarded by, look, are being safeguarded by structures like religion, right? You want mm-hmm. men to fall in line, but you want to tell men not to rape women. It's, you have to right. pick Because people's right. humanity, let me tell you, people's humanity is on the line in this case. Yes. So yes. you cannot say that in one tone that women are, so, are must be subjugated and must be this, must be that. And in the other voice, say, don't rape women. Because subjugation itself puts women, puts rape in the purview of available punishments for dissent. Mm. So, unfortunately, religion is not really helping. I'm sorry. A lot of people have this thing wrong. They have these things wrong. So until religion begins to understand the full humanity of women and our full status as core human beings, as human beings with agency, with rights and dignity, religion will not be helping the conversation around rape culture. Mm-hmm. We'll only continue to reinforce it because rape is not a standalone. Rape is a symptom of a broken society. Yeah. Rape is the yeah. result of a system of oppression. As long as you are working to uphold that system of oppression, you are working to uphold rape. That's all I'm going to say about that before I anger my parents too much. 
<laughs> I, I definitely think that first and foremost, uh, for the people who are not understanding that the, that rape is definitely, as you mentioned in the beginning, not about sexual desires or sexual needs and sexual preferences. It's about power and privilege. You, they, rape is rape because they can rape. Absolutely. It's that simple. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's that simple. They rape because they can rape. Yeah. They have the power to, I mean, it's just like if you were a powerful, whatever, whatever position you're in, you know, let's say you own a company as whatever, even as a woman, say you own a company, you can come in and be like, you know what? I'm going to fire half of my staff today. Hmm. Is it right? Probably not. But you own the company. You have the power. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You have the power to do it. You have the right. Who's going to, who's going to stop you? It's Hmm. your company. That's the way it works. People rape, men rape because they can rape. They have the power to rape. They have the privilege to rape. And they know that they will get away with it. Mm, absolutely. In fact, impunity is one thing that has my panties in a knot. Impunity on sexual violence. Had, it bothers me every day that people, including the legal system, keep looking to blame women. In fact, two, two layers. Women are only believed when they die. Mm. Right? Yeah. If you don't physically cease to exist, nobody will believe your story. Yeah. Number two, the the system of, of even getting justice is so far broken that it doesn't even provide the right the right kind of justice. The system wasn't created to provide justice. Absolutely. I agree with you. Oh my god, that hit me so hard. That is so true. <laughs> It wasn't created to provide justice. It wasn't yeah. created to protect women. Yeah. Let me so. give an example. In, uh, in procedural law, in, in when, when, while prosecuting rape, character evidence is allowed. The woman can come and tell us whether you were imagining before the rape or not. Also, mm. to get a conviction, there needs to be a corroboration of the rapes to, of, 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 of the victim's account of the, of the, of the event. And that's so someone to corroborate her story. To get corroborative evidence. Somebody right. who is raped, in secret, who else will know that that happened? In some cases, in the past, I've seen a couple of cases. You know, I'm happy to share readings with your with your with your listeners if they're interested. There are so many exciting things that they can read and update themselves on this information. So I've seen some cases definitely where, you know, um, the, the issue happened in semi-public situation, and you know, somebody's able to. But to be honest, many cases fail. Because of few and far between, right? Yeah, because of this, many cases fail because of these hoops that women have to jump through in getting justice. What has your situation before the rape has, has to do with anything? What has it got? What 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 is the correlation between your life before the rape and the action of the rapist? What must yeah, be on yeah. trial is the action of the rapist. But it's right. actually so many cases. I'm glad you brought that up because I read the was it the was it uh, like a speech or um, like a statement by the vice chancellor of the school? Is it University mm-hmm. of Benin where uh, Ua was raped? Yeah, saying yeah. that Ua was a virgin before she was raped. And when I read that, I'm thinking, why is this relevant? Yeah. Who, like, I, I'm, I, I'm like, so are they implying if she wasn't a virgin, she would have kind of deserved to be raped? Yeah, you're a bad woman, so you, you cannot... Like, you cannot like, get justice for something done to you. It's actually unfortunate that, oh, Jesus, I was on an Instagram live recently and okay. I was telling, you know, I was just saying, yo, society wants women to think that their dignity is in their vagina. 
because they want to be able right. to dismiss us easily. Because right. they, want to, they want to justify the shit that they do to us. So they tell yeah. us that our dignity is now our vaginas. It is unfortunately not. I hate to break it to society. And now we know. So we will drag you. Now we know that our dignity is just like that of men. The, the yeah. first line of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights says, every human being is born equal in dignity and in rights. So if my mm-hmm. dignity is in my vagina, then the man's dignity is in his penis. We will no longer be reduced to our body parts. We will no longer be reduced. Yeah. Let me tell you, they do that so that it is easy for them to other us. That is the same thing that happens with race. I'm not an expert at race. In fact, I'm not close to that. I'm a Nigerian woman who grew up in Ekiti. Everybody I knew before mm-hmm. they were black. Right. So, right. you know, but, but the point is this. It is a tool of oppressive systems to other to declare you irrelevant, to declare you less than human, so that mm. whatever is done to you can be passed off as, oh, collateral damage. Oh, it really happened. Mm. And that's why the idea of virginity or no virginity comes up. How many cases of men do we hear where the virginity becomes a topic of discussion? Also, virginity is a Never, myth. ever. It is not an, it's not a, it's not, it's a social construct. So can we stop with this archaic way of measuring life? Can we stop, stop with this colonized thought pattern where they have told you that this is how you must do things, this is what, because it's actually quite unfortunate. And I, I always say the idea of virginity is a tool of the patriarchy to other women and, and, and tell themselves that it's okay to do what they do to us. Look at mm-hmm. FDR, for example. Female genital mutilation, in fact, the, the speech yes. they on female genital mutilation, imagine altering a woman's anatomy because yes. of a mask. Because mm. you want to find them worthy of male relationship. You know, I always say to younger women, if that man thinks that you are that great, let him reward you with money and yes. other things. Your body yes. part is not a reward for anything. Oh, you are a beautiful girl, let me date you. For what? You are a fine girl. Let me marry you. For what? How are you rewarding me with servitude? It's quite unfortunate that women are held in this loop. Unfortunately for them. Yes. A good yes. Of us are rubbish. We are onto you and we will destroy the patriarchy. Okay. Now we have some questions, as you know, on Facebook, yeah. which I want you to address. The first question is from Anita, uh, also known as Barry Dakara. She also has a podcast, Mommy or Yo-Yo, so you guys check that out. But she's asking, what is the statute of limitations when it comes to rape in Nigeria? Hmm. All right, so the, statute, the, the issue around statute of limitation in, around rape in Nigeria is that uh-huh. there is a statute of limitation on crimes in general, right? But then the statute okay. of limitation on rape is very, very unrealistic. If I'm not wrong, I think it's about six months because of the what? kind of you need for rape. Look, I wasn't expecting that. Six months? That was the law in many common law territories, right? It wow. only began to improve after lawyers and activists started to push the boundary of the law. You understand? So unfortunately for Nigeria, reform is not really our strong suit. So we are still we are still stuck in this you know this old method of prosecuting rape. In fact, in countries like South Africa, you can bring a rape case years 
after the incident has passed. Right. Right? Because the, 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 the I can't remember the name of the case exactly now, but I remember the judgment was that the court ruled that you even though the action is short-lived, the effects yes. last forever. So as yes. long as the effect is subsisting, that trauma, that trauma is subsisting and must be addressed. Justice must be served. Yes. Right? So that is what I encourage for Nigeria. But unfortunately, that's where we are. I think we can go to the next question. Okay. Can a married woman in Nigeria report her husband for raping her? Ah, uh, yes, she can. But she can because she feels like, you know, she feels violated and now she wants to seek redress. However, the rape laws in Nigeria, in fact, the penal code explicitly states that a married woman, the, the definition of rape is when a man who is not a woman's husband. Oh, okay. You understand? So under the criminal code and the penal code, nothing like marital rape exists. The Violence Against Persons Prohibition Act can be construed to include marital rape. So if you are, if you are, if you feel like you're in that situation, don't keep quiet because the Violence Against the Persons Act can be construed to include marital rape. It's not expressly stated, and that is one challenge I have with that piece of legislation. Because if you're making a law mm -hmm. in 2015, you can't do the right thing. You cannot just you know, skip over things in 2015. But that definition is wide enough. It's, it's, it's useful, you know. However, expressly, there is no provision for marital rape. In England, provision marital rape, rape only began around 1992 in the case of A against A, right? So many mm. of these laws are just are changing ever so slowly. I don't want to, I, wow. I, I don't want to accuse them of gender of, of or I don't want to accuse the entire world, even though I accuse them, of, of, of not taking <laughs> women's rights and not taking our matter very seriously. You will see governments swoop into action over territory, over oil, over money, but not over the right. life of no. Wow. Okay, let me take you to the next question. This one is from Donald Green Cycles. Why is the criminal justice system so ineffective in combating rape? I think you've probably covered this one. Yeah, absolutely. I have talked about yes. prosecutorial procedure. I've talked about the law yes. in itself and the, the ineptitude of, of the of the criminal justice system itself. Look, even when you get a rapist uh, uh, arrested, you yourself, you are feeling bad, right? Because right. the system is useless. This person is going to mm -hmm. wait for trial. He's going to... And basically, it's your, the system is going to inflict human rights infringement violations upon this perpetrator and every human right. being including people who have been accused of rape have human rights but right. the system is so broken that you yourself will feel so terrible because you know that if that guy enters Panty, it's over for his life and that is not justice mm. justice is that this person will be taken through the process right as it were you know the process right. can be better but taken through the process prosecuted convicted you know sentenced you explain that that is what will happen. But the system is so broken, it's so terrible to see. So yeah, there are so many reasons why prosecution of rape is so difficult. Starting from the substantive law on the on the offense, to procedural law on the offense, to the criminal justice system, to society and rape culture. And above all, the patriarchy that prioritizes men over women, even when women are being killed. Mm. Okay. Next question from Ola BC. She was my guest for last, no, two weeks ago. 
episode. Well, All right. Yeah. Yes. So she says, can, can you give advice to the listeners about what they can do to get justice? Example, like not washing, going to a specialist center to take the sperm sample if the rapist ejaculated in them. In yeah. Lagos State is the Mirabel Center. Well, uh, she asked so yeah. and she answered the question. <laughs> So basically, okay, she gave an occasion about where to go. Yes, yes, right? yes. Okay. So basically, what to do if you're raped? You know, a few years ago, I think some of these NGOs created like a, a slip. We should actually look into that, into that all over again. When a person has gone through such a horrific situation, the mm-hmm. best thing is to go straight to a specialist center or the hospital, because not everyone has access to a specialist center, right? We are talking about Nigeria, right. where inequalities right. are so grave are so, so grave. Mm-hmm. So if you, have, if you have been in such a situation, I'm actually very sorry. It's not your fault. You did not do anything wrong. But go straight to Mirabel Center in Ikeja, Lassus in Ikeja. Warif has a center in Lekki. You know, you can just Google Warif. The address will come up. Everything, the information will come up. Google Mirabel Center. The information will come up. Or go to the hospital, right? Mm-hmm. First things first, so that, that whatever sample is collected, whatever rape kit is, is, is administered, that will be useful for a case with the police, right? Unfortunately, okay. without physical evidence, it is it's so, so difficult to it's prove. It's almost it. dead on arrival. You understand? So it's important to protect the evidence. Evidence is everything. We can't go to court with assumptions and aspersions, right? We must yes. protect the evidence. Okay. Next question from Funsha. Do rape victims have to testify all the time? And also, if there is any support for victims. Oh, sorry. And also, is there any support for victims, both during trial and recovery process? Absolutely. So, uh, testifying in court depends on your lawyer's strategy, right? Okay. So, I won't really particularly speak to that. But even the before testimony, you have to tell that story over and over and mm-hmm. over again. So definitely, you're not only traumatized once, you relive right. that every time they say, so tell me what happened. So what were you doing on the 5th of July, 2025? You get what I'm saying? Yes. It's unfortunate that victims have to tell these stories because many times this rape, this sexual violence, these things happen in at times that people are not there. Right, because also rapists mm-hmm. and sexual violators are very. They do. They 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 isolate their victims many times. Right. 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 In plain sight, and nobody knows. You can't right. even because you are afraid and ashamed. Right. Right. So many times, victims have to tell their story over and over and over again. And yes, I don't know if there is any support for victims within the system of the government, but I know that there are NGOs doing the work to support victims. So okay. in, a, in a situation where the case is brought forward by an NGO on behalf of a, of a, of a person like that, they get the needed support. In fact, uh, some of these NGOs in Lagos, it's a, a method where the case collecting officer, the case collection officer is usually a therapist. So the process of collecting the case itself is humane, it is comforting and affirming. Okay, that's good. That's very good. Yeah. Okay. Last question. Well, not last question, but last asker. She has two questions. This is from Queen Uchekwe. 
The first question, how do we prioritize justice for victims over the religious rights of the perpetrators, especially in child rape cases? Hmm. Wow, this is actually a real question because in Nigeria and all over the world, to be honest, you know, it is very common to find cases in which the victim is demonized and blamed. Right. 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 So this is, this is a very, very important question. In many cases, especially in Nigeria, so we're talking about Nigeria in particular, victims of rape, especially young women, are automatically, you know, cancelled. Yes. Why do get to continue to roam the streets free? Now, how do we prioritize justice for victims over religious rights of perpetrators? Get off that fucking religion Kool-Aid. Mm-hmm. That is the trick. Because pastors are out here allegedly raping kids. Yeah. All other forms of religious um, symbols and powerful symbols are violating human beings, children, women out here. But many times we are busy looking at their importance in society. We are looking at their religious stance and all of that. Right. And we are speaking the truth. Right. So let me tell you, as people, you must not be afraid to speak truth to power. When, mm-hmm. when that Abuja pastor, I will not even glorify him by saying his name on this podcast. <laughs> when that Abuja pastor was accused, I joined people to march. You know why? And I told wow. my parents, who are super religious, I said, look, I am going to march on Sunday at this man's church because mm-hmm. people must say the truth. To power. Yes. yes. So yes. when it comes to prioritizing justice, uh, prioritizing people's personality and religious rights of the perpetrators, like this question, that I love the question. It's so clear because this is a clear thing that happens. They will sweep it under the rug to protect that pastor's reputation. You, right. are, a, you are an accomplice and you should be jailed if you do that. I completely agree. I know that for us, the Christians, especially my Nigerian Christians, the Bible verse that they are quick to summon up is, touch not my anointed, or do yes. my prophet no harm. Yeah, uh, anointed. We will shake yeah. them. We will only touch them. Yeah, but you know, I, I've mentioned before on the blog, and I'm saying again, that Bible verse, if anybody would actually take their time to read a few verses ahead of that, instead yeah. of just that one verse, that verse was referring to the children of Israel, to the people, yeah. not Absolutely. just the spiritual. Absolutely. Yes, it, it wasn't, it, it was referring to all of them. So basically all of us, if you consider yourself a Christian, yeah, yeah, God, yeah. referring to all of us as the anointed that should not be touched and should not be harmed. It's okay. not saying you should do your prophet no harm. It's not saying that when your prophet rapes and you know that he's probably done that, you should put all the blame on the victim. You know, Absolutely. because the sad thing that was Busara even a virgin when she got married. And Imagine all these irrelevant questions, like, why are we talking about that? Who cares if Busara was a virgin? You know? Why did Absolutely. she open the door? I, I, night I Absolutely. I generally don't want to don't don't want to drag the religious religious aspect of this conversation for too long. But to yes. be honest, I need people to stop fucking drinking that Kool-Aid. You can mm-hmm. be a child of God who loves the Lord, blah blah blah, and still understand the meaning of justice. Yes. Let me tell you, 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 your religion is not the reason why you don't understand justice. 
It could be. I'm not gonna drop. I'm not gonna take that out of it at all completely. But I'm saying that if people would would take a minute to be human beings and not really just robots, maybe we will see a bit clearly. I think that people just lack humanity for women. That that's the basic problem. We're we're child rearers. What else are we? We are here to cook, make the bed. Fuck the man and give him children. That's all. And and, yeah. and then get punished for doing all of these things or none of these yeah. things. Because yeah. and I always say to people, under the patriarchy, there are no good women. We are all bad. You don't know. Yeah. Because the oppressive yeah. system do not give you a pass. It's like mm-hmm. black people who are trying to use uh respectability politics to win respect and to fight to win the fight against racism. Unfortunately. Right. Respectability will not help anybody. If you like, wear 15 suits and 25 ties. A white man <laughs> who is will never see you as an equal. And sweep 10 houses every morning. You are still a bad woman. Under oppressive systems, we are all bad. To a system that is that has stripped us of humanity and refused to see us as human beings, there is no level, there's no playing field to even be good. Yes, yes. Actually, we, we, we're already starting off at a disadvantage. You Absolutely. are born, born a woman. You've lost already. Okay. One last question uh, from Uche. So she says, how can or how should rape issues be handled at a state level, barring strong federal regulatory processes? How can how can slash yes, how be handled at a state yes. level during strong yes. federal processes? Unfortunately, yes. this question is actually kind of interesting to me. But usually, rape cases can be reported at um, the state high court uh, at the police station, and they are prosecuted at the state high court. The high court okay. has jurisdiction over this capital of this. Uh, uh, I don't want to call them capital offenses. Offenses that are not a misdemeanor, right? Felony. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I was, I was trying to test my law certificate right there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so rape is a felony, right? And then people right. are charged to the state high court. So I don't understand what this person is saying by federal regulatory processes because laws many times are made by the National Assembly, but states also make their laws. For example... I think she's saying when there are no federal under, laws. Yeah. So you don't have to try rape under federal laws. Now, okay. we are we okay so for example in Lagos state in Ekiti state in all those states they have criminal justice laws in their mm-hmm. state criminal laws within the state right and when it comes mm-hmm. to jurisdiction you you have to look at the closest law to the location of perpetration temporal jurisdiction mm-hmm. of a, right so something happens in Ijuishaga the first call should be what are the which territory does this fall in? Is it Lagos? Is it another state? Then you look at the laws of the state. If there is no provision on the laws of the state, then you can go to the criminal court act. If there's no provision, then you can go into any other any other legislation that's mm-hmm. right. So mm-hmm. the idea of, of local slash federal state slash federal laws in Nigeria, I feel like in fact that is one of the best. That was one of the, that's one of the clearer lines of our federalism in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Things are modeled up quite a lot. But when it comes to the making of laws, state House of Assemblies can make laws that 
govern situations within a state. So if you report a case, the law of that state can be used to try. So it doesn't it doesn't have to report result rather to federal mm -hmm. regulatory processes as often as we might think. Mm -hmm. Now, the VAP Act, the Violence Against Persons Prohibition Act, is that it's a it's an act of the National Assembly made for the whole country. However, mm -hmm. states must domesticate it, right? So when yeah. a state domesticates the VAP, you don't need to go and say the VAP Act. You can use the VAP law of a state. Got it. Okay. Absolutely. Whew. Okay. Uh, Omar, thank you so much for spending your time with me today or Thank with you. us rather i really 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 appreciate it is there any question that i didn't ask that i should have that you'd like to talk about anyway i i feel like we've covered it quite a bit you know this discussions continue to happen continue to happen and and many times we we are having we are, like we're talking about the same things over and over and over again but you have actually found a way to make this conversation quite interesting and like refreshing to be able to touch on other areas when it comes to rape in nigeria we've talked about impunity we've talked about privilege the patriarchy mm -hmm. we've talked about quite a lot of things i think one last thing i would try to reiterate is the urgency with which we need to reform the police mm -hmm. and the criminal system in nigeria there is, ex there is a level of urgency that I cannot articulate. And I think that we should begin to treat it with that level of urgency. It's so important because look, our activism, our fight, our march, our protests, our meetings and all of those things will continue to go in vain if there are no strong systems that can swoop mm -hmm. in when things go wrong. Mm -hmm. I... I I, even though I already said thank you to you, I actually remembered. So I remember I, I told you I wanted to ask you something about social media activism. Uh, mm. Yes, yes. Yeah, so right now, as you know, we have the Black Lives Matter thing going on. We yeah. have a lot of protests. People are going out. Not everybody is able to go out. I, when I put up my statuses and share whatever on social media, it's usually directed to my African people. Um, whatever I'm saying about Black Lives Matter, whatever issue I'm talking about. Now, People do criticize social media activism to say, you know, you're just at home tapping the wheel on your keyboard. You're not making any real difference. If you're that passionate about it, you should be out on the street. My personal thought is that not everybody can be out on the street for many, many reasons. Yeah. And I don't think that social media activism is pointless. For some of us, that's how we know. In fact, for a lot of us, that's how we even find out that these things are going on. You know, you don't have to wait for the news anymore to report it. There are sit, sit, citizen journalists who yeah. are doing this on, on there are hashtags, there's Twitter, there's Facebook, yeah. and we find sometimes even live as they're happening, right? Yeah. We find out these things. I mean, look up at George Floyd. What if someone didn't record it and share it? Yeah. How would we know what happened to George Floyd? So, yeah, people who say that social media is not, is not useful for advocacy, yeah. uh, either saying that because of frustration at the system, mm -hmm. And, you know, they're like, ah, oh, let's march. Let's scatter everything. Ah, uh, don't stay on social media. You know, many people feel that way because they they, they are worried, you know, about the state yes. of things and they're agitated. Mm -hmm. Other people say that because, I'm sorry, ignorance, right? Mm -hmm. You don't yeah. know that two, two million people talking about a particular issue is a right. worldwide movement. Yeah. The fact that interests collide and boom, goes up in flames. It's right. so radical. It's so potent. I many, agree. many conversations start online 
and become yes. real life change. Yes. Many conversations do not take a life of its own until it becomes an agitation on social media. Yes. So is social media everything? No. Is social media a tool? Yes. Absolutely yes. useful. Absolutely gives people the opportunity. You know, these ableist ideas actually bother yes. me. How, how many people can actually get to the streets? How about people right. living in the community? How about people who are unable to come to the streets? People right. who, who are poor, who only have 20 right. MPs, but they can tweet Black Lives Matter, but they can tweet, you know, justice for Tina, justice for right. who right. You know, this right. idea of leave your keyboard and come out is ableist at best, is ignorant at worst. Either way, the people need to stop saying that. Because social media, is not, I'm not going to sit here and just try to praise social media or make a case for social media activism. We already can see in our lives, in our work. Let me tell mm-hmm. you something. I have been an activist for the last 10 years. As, as, mm-hmm. as far as I remember, when I was a child, I was a raving activist. People think I'm crazy now. And I just, I, it just <laughs> it's absolutely cute. Because when I was fully mad, they didn't even know me. <laughs> Let me tell you, I, the influence I have on social media is so minuscule that mm-hmm. I'm, I'm akin to a person winking in the dark. Mm-hmm. People who have this social media influence, oh my God, my Yoruba just jumped out, that's fine. Who have <laughs> like, this influence and, and you know, they to make one tweet and you see things begin to happen. Yes, so yes. For five years in the corner, takes a life of its own and you cannot but be proud. Yes. So please, all of these things are tools for advocacy and must be used together, either simultaneously or one after the other. Thank you. Thank you so much for that, Samalar. What can people do now, piggybacking off of social media? What can people do, people who are listening, what can they do right now? Hmm. On social media, in fact, thank you so much for asking this question because a group of women have been working all week creating advocacy strategies, right? Okay. Creating things that we can do. There is a hashtag that we started trending this week. It's called State of Emergency GVB. The hashtag GVB. To, okay. to pressure the government and people alike to see the need for the government to create a, to declare a state of emergency on gender issues. Why would a state mm-hmm. of emergency be It will not only put an official state recognition on the issue of sexual violence and gender-based violence, it will also show us the commitment of the government at, into ending this scourge, right? So, yes. please, in fact, these women are not only joining this hashtag, they marched yesterday, now they are going to put out posters of, of, your, of your legislators and their phone numbers and their email addresses. You're going to write to them, bombard them, write to the president, write to the vice president, do, what you, do your part, by just staying at home, just write, mm-hmm. write, write. Let them mm-hmm. understand that this is something that Nigerians need and it must happen. With, with our voices, I am sure that women in Nigeria, activists, advocates, lawyers, all of the people working tirelessly to end. In fact, I have to, I have to mention quickly, I'm so proud of the women that I said what I said and one other lady called Duchess KK. In fact, this podcast women, right? They raised mm-hmm. over ten million for the family of uh, wow. of, of some girl in that girl that in Jigawa that was brutally raped over a, period, a long period of time. I saw lately yes. that Dr. raised another, you know, seven hundred and something thousand. You know, I don't even know these women, right? I've only met, um, I think, Ejola 
a couple of times, but I see that the advocacy in this sense is not limited to writing letters or fighting. Mm-hmm. How much has how much my petition raised, for example? Right, right. No, working together is the solution. So I need people to tweet. I need them to write to their senators. I need them to host fundraisers like these that just happened. I need people to act in whatever capacity. If you are able to go and march, take your sanitizer, take your mask, go there, but continue to socially distance yourself so that we can reduce the spread of COVID-19. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's so much to be done and it will be done by all of us in different capacities. Don't forget the hashtag state of emergency GBV. Make sure it trends forever until the president makes a statement on the state of gender-based violence in Nigeria. Enough is enough. If you missed the hashtag, I'll include it in the show notes. Uh, thank you, thank thank you for you. sharing that, Omolara. So thank now, uh, thank you once again, Omolara, for spending your day with us. Tell thank me you. how people can connect with you. People hear ah. me and they're like, who is this mad woman, Seth? I want to know her. <laughs> yes, ah, if you're coming to my Twitter, don't be ready, because it's problem up and down. <laughs> But well, yeah, you come so on your Twitter, Twitter your social media, they'll be like, yeah. oh, this, this is what people know when they say not who, not all who are mad are roaming the streets. Absolutely. <laughs> this Absolutely. one. <laughs> That's the label I have taken on. Because people <laughs> think that it's an insult to tell me that I am mad. And I let them know that you are not lying. Flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. So if you want to catch me on social media, I am on faith, uh, on Instagram at Omolara Oriye. I am on mm-hmm. Twitter, the Lara Oriye. So Twitter is the Lara Oriye. Instagram okay. is Molara Oriye. Okay. Uh, yeah. If you missed it, I will put the links in the show notes so you can connect with her. If you're having trouble getting her, let me know. I know where to find her. Uh, Omolara, once again, thank you so much. And I know I asked you what people can do to what people can do right now, but is there any other thing that you're working on? that people can support? Is there any other cause you're working on right now that people can support? Oh, absolutely. So the issue is that I'm taking the year off to get a master's degree. So I'm okay. not actively building. But yes, in Nigeria, I, I, I've been hosting for about two years now um, advocacy sessions with citizens, with lawyers and activists. The outreach okay. is called Advocacy Education Initiatives. You can find me on Twitter, AE Initiatives, on Instagram, AE Initiatives. What I do with this initiative is that I know that there is a lot of human rights education, a lot of gap in Mm -hmm. in human rights understanding and education among Nigerians. So I provide that service. So instead of me to like scream in court every day and and cuss men out, Every day, you know, white supremacy and patriarchy and unfounded privilege out all, all the time. I take my time to teach people, right? I bring in right. teachers, bring in other people who are activists in their own spaces. They mm-hmm. come in and teach us things. So we go through the basics of advocacy. We go through the basics of social justice. We go through the basics of human rights and all of those things. And yeah, next year, in fact, Vera, <laughs> your show is the first time I'll be mentioning what I'm doing next year. Oh, with- okay. It just pops in my head and I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to say that. So I'm doing something called the first 50, right? The first, the first 50. 50. Yes, is that I'm going to be going to 50 communities next year and I'm going to be teaching them principles of social justice, human rights, advocacy, and the things that we need to know as citizens of Nigeria. So I will be doing that in different languages 
as many as possible. I haven't decided on how many languages particularly, but I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, do it in as many languages as possible. I'm going to have a team with me. We're going to be working on that, but that's what I'm planning for next year. But so far we do classes online and in person. I would, uh, I would let people know, you know, on my social media, when mm -hmm. the class classes are going to come up i also do something for access to justice on, on women's rights right but this is something that i'm building at the moment it's not you know it's not fully formed yet mm -hmm. you know it's called fem law co collective so i'm creating a collective of women feminist lawyers who are able to address these issues at both a policy level and a a, a response level you know and then the last thing, I'm not going to bore you because I also have a PR firm. I do development communications, reach out to me. I do public okay. policy, you know, things like that. And, the, and lastly, I have a rant uh, YouTube channel where I'm <laughs> ranting my whole book. <laughs> it's called Superior Information. Basically, my hypothesis is that there is superior information in, in the public space right now. You must mm -hmm. get it. You cannot continue to say this is how we do it. This is how we are. This is how we were. Nope, nope, nope. Get new what? information and get your life together. Lastly, what did you say the YouTube page is called? Superior information. The superior okay. information. Okay. Lastly. Yeah, ah, last. Oh my God, Vera. When you start me on myself, I, I can't finish. Please. Go ahead. <laughs> lastly, I have, I have an Instagram called Feminist Nomad where I post like my travels and the things I'm doing when I'm not fighting and ranting. So if you're yeah. looking for Vera, you know, just telling you poems. And posting photos of the beach and telling stories from places I travel to. I've been to about uh -huh. 20 countries. Yeah, catch uh -huh. me on, on Instagram. I do, you know, when I'm not fighting and all of that, I'm using my small salary <laughs> to travel. <laughs> so, absolutely. Feminist Nomad. Feminist Nomad. One word. Feminist Nomad on Instagram. Thank you so much, Vera. I will be posting it all on the, in the notes. Absolutely. Uh, I'll be happy with that. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, we have one more question on Facebook. However, it's something you already talked about, fem okay. um, marital rape. So it just the question just came in, but that's okay. We already addressed it. Omola, did I already say thank you for your time? You have said thank you, and I totally <laughs> appreciate this opportunity. Thank, thank you, so, you much. so much. There's so much information in here to learn. Uh, so you guys... Uh, any questions you have, please feel free to reach out to Omola. I'm sure she'll be happy to answer. Absolutely. And I'm always happy to help with information on human rights and social justice and equality. I always say we are nothing without justice. Life does not make any meaning without justice. Let's keep that in mind. Awesome. Thank you so much, Malara. The I Am African podcast is powered by Verastic. Thank you for letting me be in your ears today. If you have not yet, please subscribe, review, and share this podcast. Do you know any remarkable Africans who should be on the show? People who have compelling stories or maybe you just have a show idea? Please send any show and guest suggestions to IamAfrican at Verastic.com. That's IamAfrican at Verastic.com. Follow I Am African podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And you can find me too at Verastic on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Once again, I am your host, Vera Ezimora. Thank you for listening and I'll talk to you next week.